Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for being here. Really appreciate it. Uh, For those who are going to be listening to this recorded episode, I want to thank you again for your listening abilities and sharing and subscribing and sending your messages to me. I really appreciate them. I read them. I take them into account. No, I can't help it if I'm gay, (laughs) but thank you for asking. (laughs) We get all kinds of messages at the Gay With God, and, um, and that's okay. So today I have a wonderful guest, and we're gonna let the Santa can Go on by. Now, here at the Wild Goose, when you're doing a live taping, (laughs) sometimes you get a lot of traffic. And the big old Santa can that we really appreciate and we love because it keeps our little potties clean had to roll on by. Okay, there we go. (sighs) Why did they put us by the road? Only God knows. Only God knows. (laughs) Only God knows. But today I have a wonderful guest to share with you. Her name is Helena Epstein. Uh, I met her through Charles and and his wonderful podcast, and I was so excited to have her here, and she drove in, not flew in, she drove in from our Canada, (laughs) and I'm so excited that she made it. I do want to send a shout out to AJ, who was going to be my guest, uh, but I want to send prayers to her and concerns to her family because they're dealing with a hard time. So, AJ, we're thinking about you at the Goose, and we miss you, but I'm very excited also to have Helena here. So, Helena, tell the folks a little bit about you, give them a short little rundown bio, and then we'll get started. So, the short little rundown bio um, is that I am, gosh, what's my short little rundown bio? (laughs) I'm so used to my Jew and the Gentile rundown bio. Um, I'm a Disciples of Christ minister. I um, converted to Christianity about nine years ago now. Um, I will get into the weeds about my sexuality a little bit in yep. a bit, but I am also a registered nurse. I do a lot of work with public health, people with mental health and addictions issues, um, and really just kind of live, live life, um, trying to be as active and as open in the world as I can be. Yeah. And the one fun fact I want to tell about her is that she jumps into freezing water. I do jump into <laughs> freezing water. I do. I jump into very cold water. It's great for your it's great for your feeling invigorated and alive, but it's a little bit crazy, I'll own that. I was so real quick like anecdote about that. So I was in Ohio visiting a girlfriend and um, I was it was still winter, so I was like, I'm gonna go do my cold dip. Right. <laughs> so I'm walking down the road in my bathing suit in the snow. <laughs> I have a visual. And a whole school bus of children drives <laughs> by me. <laughs> and I said they probably went home and told their mom, 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 we saw this crazy lady. And I said, and I'm not crazy. And then I stopped and I said, Oh wait, maybe a little bit. I am. <laughs> and there is a and story. There is a story. <laughs> All right. So Elena, 
Um, I've, I've known you for, for a while. Yep. And you and I have had some conversations. But I want, I want folks to hear your coming out faith journey story. So okay. tell your story. So in some ways, when you invited me on, I did a bit of a double take. Because I don't really talk about my sexuality publicly. I know. Um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so in some ways, this is my coming out. Um, you know, in 1996, 1997, when I was an adolescent, pre-adolescent, I probably would have identified myself as bisexual because that was the labeling that was available. Mm -hmm. As an adult who's, like, lived fully into her sexuality for 20 years now, I can say that queer is probably a better word for what I am and how I identify. Um, I never really have come out. Like, that sounds a little bit crazy, but, like, I never felt a pressure or any need to mm -hmm. um i've dated the people i've dated i've had conversations with people in my life that were relevant but like i've never had an a need to be hugely there was never an event in my life that right. i needed to come out about and i think a lot of that actually i was reflecting on it when we were when you invited me on does have to do with my faith um and the structure of my family but when I was when I was an adolescent when I was first initially coming into like oh my gosh like boys are super cute and girls are really hot too like, <laughs> like <laughs> both things are happening for me um, I was a part of the reformed Jewish um, community and the temple I went to had been performing gay marriages for like six years at that point wow. like it wasn't it wasn't a conversation oh like there was no sense of anything being wrong or off mm -hmm. for me right like mm -hmm. and like my best friend in middle and high school was a lesbian actually she's bisexual when she started dating a boy when we were like 20 I called my mom freaking out I said mom Crystal's dating a boy like what is happening and my mom was like Helena what is the problem <laughs> and I was like oh okay so that's just the environment I came out of wow like, it was just a very different but when I converted is when I didn't realize, and this may sound super naive, it was super naive, and it's still super naive in some ways, and it, and it's, I feel privileged that I have this attitude, but when I converted and I started trying to figure out what denominations I might be interested in, it blew my mind that the topic of LGBTQ inclusion was still even a conversation that was happening. Yep. Like, it didn't even, I didn't realize, we're still talking about, it, yes. it didn't even... <laughs> It didn't even dawn on me that it was still a conversation. Wow. So now when I'm looking at communities, like that is my primary identifier for do I want to be a part of this community or not. Right. I could front <laughs> and get by pretty much anywhere, but I'd be fronting. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I don't want to be a part of a community where everybody's not included fully. Right. Right. Um, so that's maybe like you can ask questions from there. So it sounds like. <laughs> I love you. So it sounds like that your family was open. It wouldn't bother them one way or the other if you were gay. Your Jewish community was unrattled. Unrattled, yeah. And then you converted over to Christianity, and then you started seeing the bigotry that's in the church and in that community. Yeah, and that kind of – and in some ways, like, I guess the wrestling for me is, again, like, as a as a person who's not gay but is queer mm -hmm. but can pass what's my responsibility with being open about right 
can you define for po folks who may not understand that distinction between being gay and queer? Right. So for me, I I do tend like I tend to take boys home. Um, <laughs> we pick them up and put them in a basket. If I if I was to if I was to meet a woman, I think my family would just roll with it. Like I don't think they would even stop and question as long as she was compassionate and kind and you know a good compatibility fit for me I think my family would go okay great we're glad you met somebody um, that's just kind of how they are but so I'm not I'm not gay but I do have a sexuality that doesn't fall into a heteronormative category so and I, I know other people who identify the same way that I do, who have husbands or have boyfriends or whatever, and we struggle with, there's a conversation around how, what does it mean to be out if you're not, if you have that choice, right? Right. Like, um, and again, like, in some ways, this is me coming out, because, like, I don't talk about it publicly often, because it doesn't seem relevant often, but it doesn't seem relevant because it doesn't have to be. For you. For me. Yeah, so so let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go there. So, we I was on a um, in a, in a conversation earlier today, and they talked about you know justice and you know mm -hmm. justice for me because it's important that I be included in all of my rights. Yes, it's important for me to have my marriage that I got, mm -hmm. and I didn't do it once. I did it twice. I mean, I did the holy union thing just to be safe that God wouldn't, like, nail me for not, you know, for living in sin. Right. And then I got married when it was legal. So to have our rights continued to be proven that they're not really rights, they're like considerations that somebody right. <laughs> will consider giving you this marriage, and then right. if somebody else comes behind the big desk, we'll consider taking that away. And if it's a right... Yeah. So, th so my question would be that how do people who don't identify in the gay community embrace the rights of all people? Because that's that has to be part of the the conversation. Because the gay people may fight for our rights, mm -hmm. but we're not the only ones voting, right? And compassion has to come from our community at large, right? Right. Um, well, and I think a piece of that is that conversation around the spectrum of sexuality is still, I I like, toddler age. <laughs> like, I won't say it's in its infancy anymore. I feel like we have these conversations more, but I've gotten pushback from people who are straight and people who are gay around my sexuality, saying that either I need to just stop being confused about it, <laughs> pick somebody, <laughs> you know, I'm being self, I've been told it's selfish to be interested in more than one gender. Oh, so there is kind of a sense of like if you can't live fully into that identity, you shouldn't claim it. Like I've gotten that pushback. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. From the straight community or the gay community? Both. Really? Yeah. <laughs> We're an interesting species. Right. So there <laughs> is kind of this like a little bit of this like just be quiet, sit in your you know, be supportive, but like don't don't rock the boat because the boat's yeah stay in your lane. The boat's already rocking. Don't don't make it worse, right? Like don't confuse straight people by telling them that they're spec right. And I feel like we're getting more comfortable with the the idea of spectrum, but not the reality of spectrum. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you start looking at the 
um, mafia alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> the alphabet <laughs> mafia, the LGBTQIA2 plus XYZ. And I'm like, people, <laughs> I'm 63. <laughs> I can't remember all the letters, and I can't remember what they all mean. It's so my, my cousin and I were talking about this because we both, we're both, we're similar. And um, she has si a 16-year-old daughter who was talking to her about trans rights, something around the trans community, and Deidre was having a hard time with pronouns. She <laughs> was, you know, and her daughter was really throwing her under the bus for it. And Dee, Dee was like, listen to me. <laughs> I am 40 years old, and I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> like, I don't think you understand, like, how progressive I am. <laughs> and I am really trying. That's right. <laughs> you know, and her 16-year-old was like, Mom, it's not hard. And I'm thinking about me at, like, 16, 17, and I was the same, right? Like, we're all learning and growing. Yeah together yeah. so but I think um, back to your point around inclusion and <sighs> I think I think that question around spectrum it, it like you said stay in your lane like how do you how how do you function as a strong not even an ally but as a member of a community that has has in some ways identified that in some ways rejects pieces of you, mm -hmm. right? Right, right. Um, so that's kind of part, like, I do stay quiet. I do. Mm. And uh, they're, like, I show up to pride. I show up to, you know, I'm LGBTQIA inclusive. I try to be as um, open as I can be. But when it comes to my own personal, like, experiences, I tend to keep them more private because I'm not sure how welcome they are all the time. Right. So when you converted to Christianity, what made you decide to do that? Oh, God, that's a whole other podcast, Mitch. <laughs> well, but see, we roll with the coming out faith journey story, so I, I embrace it all. I, <laughs> I'm I, inclusive. I, <laughs> I encountered the, the resurrected, crucified Christ in the at the communion table. Tell me more about that, Helena. <laughs> <laughs> I... That's what happened. Um, I so I was working as a hospice nurse and was <laughs> had moved to the south from Ohio, and Jesus was a big deal, and I was really dismissive of Christianity as a spiritual path um, for a lot of reasons. I'd had a lot of um, negative experiences with Christians as a as a little Jewish kid, and. Um, but I was taking care of mostly black Baptists and Pentecostals as they were dying. And I needed to get more compassionate about mm. Christianity. So I started church hopping and reading the Gospels and just trying to get a handle on, like, what is the compelling piece of this for people? Right. And um, I'm a learner. I'm a, I'm a learner. And I said to myself, whatever opportunities are offered to me, I'll take. Hmm. And I ended up at a Methodist church that had was the Reconciling Ministries Church in our community, very open and affirming church, on Ash Wednesday. And they had communion service along with um, imposition of ashes. And the, um, the invitation to the table he gave was that Jesus ate with, with prostitutes and tax collectors, and he will eat with you too. All are welcome at this table. And I got up and I went down. Mm -hmm. And I took communion for the first time. And I had this incredible vision of, like, overwhelming light and 
the presence of the crucified Christ literally lighting me up from the bottom up like there was no like whatever darkness I thought was in me the light was farther down like this like I was just I I came out like like I think I had to sit for like an hour before I could drive home I was like what just happened (laughs) I called my mom I said mama I think I need to be baptized and she was like, baby, what? <laughs> what? Like, we what? don't care that you're bisexual, but what? what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what What are you talking about? Like, what happened? And I told her what happened. And she was like, well, I think you might be right. And I said, I think I might be right. Um, but that actually really early on, that question of um, reconciliation and inclusion in the church, quick, I quickly realized that that church was an outlier. Mm. And that I needed to be in a member of a church that had a more inclusive polity. That mm-hmm. it wasn't, I, I didn't want to be somewhere that was still fighting. And maybe that's, maybe that sounds cowardly. But to me, I was like, I don't, this is a, this is a theological question that's answered for me. I want to be somewhere where this theological question is answered. Right. So that's how I ended up going into the Episcopal Church initially and then ah. disciples of Christ. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. So when you went to the Episcopal Church, you found that inclusive. Oh, yeah, very, very. We had a really diverse, um, lots of people from lots of different backgrounds, sexual orientations. Yeah. Um, It was also like a racially reconciling church, so there was that component too. But that's that's a a sad thing, isn't it, That, that people, and especially the kids, and I think this is why, you know, this podcast means so much to me because from my beginning, you know, all I heard was the condemnation against everything and everybody. So <laughs> I was going to be a nun. Well, they're going to hell. O- okay. Okay. <laughs> then I won't do that. <laughs> you know, I tried every way to try to figure out how to please God and how to be accepted by God. But everything that was that I was about, I was like the opposite of everything that church was telling me I needed to be. Right. And to me, like, that conversion experience was so, like, I I am unabashedly a universalist. Nobody's going to hell. And, like, people have a really hard time swallowing that pill because there are bad people in this world. (laughs) (laughs) But I that experience, to me, um, is my point of reference for what God loves means. And that in that moment of, like, recognizing how deeply loved I was, I also recognized that that love is not unique to me that love is available not just available but present for all people right it's not something you have to take it's something that's already there um so so all right so you don't believe in hell i don't believe in hell well i believe in hell but i also believe that jesus broke the gates of hell and that no one needs to worry about it anymore see i saw a picture about that yeah it's, it's, it's a painting. Yeah. <laughs> he did it. It's, yeah. it's recorded. Jesus <laughs> did that. Jesus broke the gates of hell. It might still be there, but it's empty. Nice. So I think a lot of people struggle with that, and I think that people struggle with the literacy of the Bible. And I think I do believe that we would have more inclusion, but I believe that people have the fear of accepting gay people because they may then go to hell for accepting us. So I was told by my aunt when I was getting ready to be ordained that she would not attend my ordination, first of all, because I was out of line and not in accordance with God's will because women weren't supposed to be ordained. Furthermore, (laughs) she knew that I was inclusive of LGBTQ people and that by 
allowing people to think that that was acceptable, I would be leading them into sin and would be judged more harshly at the end of days personally for allowing other people to sin in that way. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. But see, she did not come to my ordination. (laughs) Surprise. Surprise. Yes, my parents did not come to my holy. Well, I can't say that. My father refused to come to our holy union Mm -hmm. because he would not bless that sin. He -hmm. could not be there. Yeah. My mother showed up, which surprised me. But, you know, she's always on the fence, like, I see both sides. I didn't like to pick You're a like, side. You're like, there's not both sides <laughs> to this <I'm> conversation. Right. <laughs> yeah. But she, she decided she would come, and she wore a T-shirt that I don't, I don't even know where she got it, but it was the San Francisco buildings that has all the rainbow colors on them. And I went, wow, Mama, <laughs> that's so cool that you wore that, that T-shirt. And she goes, why? <laughs> it's just a T-shirt. I said, no, it's the San Francisco buildings. That, those are the gay pride colors. And she was, do you think somebody will think I'm gay? <laughs> oh, mama. <laughs> I highly doubt it. <laughs> but don't kiss anybody <laughs> in front of people. <laughs> that, that'll be how they know. But they, they, couldn't, they couldn't get past that teaching that if you align yourself with someone's sin, then you're also a sinner yeah. and you would go to hell. And I think that's why... The religious community is so tight in their belief right. that they don't want to go to hell and they can't see anything other than that. You know, and it doesn't take a lot of deep diving to recognize that Jesus doesn't talk about sex a <laughs> lot and that the passages of the Bible that do talk about sexual sin are talking about violence and sex. Yes. And there, that is an issue that needs to be addressed. Homosexuality is not <laughs> a sin. So it's that so anyone who's listening that may be new to the podcast, let's just get that right out there. That's right. <laughs> by the way. By the way, homosexuality <laughs> is not a sin. Um but, you know, this this idea of literalism and having to be subscribed to that particular way of thinking. Even the idea that if you're if you're condoning a sin, you're by proxy sinning isn't biblical like that doesn't make sense either so i'm not sure we could go in the weeds about that but well i you know it it goes back to the whole thing that if you bake a cake for someone you're not committing the sin because they're using it for their gay wedding you know (laughs) i mean you're baking a cake but there's been you know lawsuits over that it's just insane but i you know i have hope i have great hope that the more conversations like you said we're having conversations around this and the more we do that then there has to be more people one by one that start to get it. And I, I have to believe that if I got it, because, you know, <laughs> if you listen to my podcast, it took me like 30 years to get to it. To get it, yeah. And so if I, if I have to forgive myself for my lack of awareness, <laughs> I have to give people grace forgive and others. let them come yeah. to their enlightenment and their integration. But it's hard and it's painful. Well, and, and that's part that. of my learning, and I think it has to be a little bit retroactive for me because on the front end, it was kind of a no-brainer for me. I have to recognize that it's not a no-brainer for a lot of people, and there's a lot of wounding and a lot of learning that's happened, mm-hmm. a lot of wounding that needs healed and a lot of learning that's still happening, mm-hmm. and that I can use my voice to facilitate that mm-hmm. I think is an important thing for me yes. to keep in mind because, yeah. again, I'm coming – I'm. I'm privileged in a lot of ways, but a big one of those is I, I wasn't raised in purity culture. I wasn't raised in a household right. where 
my sexuality was suspect or questioned or condemned, right? Like, right. I, I'm really blessed in that way. I had a lot of other issues, but that wasn't <laughs> one of them. <laughs> so being able to retro retroactively kind of address that and pull it forward that you can have households and situations where these things are not trauma. It right. doesn't have to be a trauma. Right. Right? It can just be a part of your experience as a human being. Like your sexuality mm -hmm. doesn't have to be traumatized to be valid. Right. Right? I think is something that um that we need to work on as a church. I think so too. And I think as individuals it's easy it's it's easy for us to just accept what other people say instead of working out your own salvation. Mm -hmm. You know, gay people have to be responsible for their own relationship with God. I can't I can't wait for a church to validate me if I'm going to live my life. But you know, that's a slippery slope too because if you're taught that, you know, God is going to put you to hell for this, then somebody needs to show you that that's not true. That that's and not a true. lot of churches aren't willing to do that. And the ones that are willing to do that are so far and few between. You know, when I was growing up, there were no progressive churches in my area. Right. So I wouldn't have even been able to find one if I had figured out I was gay. You wouldn't have even known what that was. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. You know, there, there are people now that know things that, that we didn't talk about ever. So, right. You know, it's like I said, the, the synagogue that we went to when I was a kid, they were doing they were doing gay marriages in like 1990. So when I joined the church in 2013, and I real I was like, what 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 the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> still, like I thought we sorted this out a long time ago, you know. <laughs> and like recognizing like how much work needs to be done is a little intimidating. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming. Yeah. Um, but that's why I love this. That's why I love the Wild Goose because when and I've only come here. This is my second year, but you know to have this inclusion of different faiths and different understandings and different thoughts and everybody kind of just rolls with it you know this never I, I would have never imagined that gay people could coexist with straight people so peacefully <laughs> you know and that not only that but so many faiths could come and not be trying to convert each other you mm. know that's just that's beautiful to me it and, I, and that's the way i would love for for all of us to live, but, you know, we still have some time. We do that. still have some time, but we're working on it. We are working on it, and we're going to continue to work on it. So I'm very, I'm very, I just want folks to know. <laughs> <laughs> let me let that pass. Um, so when you say that you had other issues, are there any issues you want to let people know of that you've struggled with and that may have affected you as far oh. as your faith journey or your coming out? Oh, Lord, have mercy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I so I'm bipolar. Um, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I was raised in a very um, dysfunctional household with mm -hmm. a lot of active use. Um, and just uh, kind of, I, I've kind of been the quintessential, like, child of an adult, like, adult child of an alcoholic who also managed to catch... <laughs> Catch the bug. Catch the bug. <laughs> um, so my my faith journey has just been a lot of self acceptance and a lot of um, kind of reconciling how messy um, my my life has been. I mean, my faith has always been a really strong thread, but 
it got skinny sometimes. Mm. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, it just, without getting like too deep in the weeds, mm-hmm. those were kind of the primary mm-hmm. areas that I was kind of wrestling with. Still do. I mean, I got to be frank about that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, you're never over those things, really. Right, right. Know. Yeah. So, so in that, with your faith, how does how does God sustain you through those mm-hmm. traumas? Yeah, no, that conversion experience is how I know I'm all right. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's my point of reference. Like, when I'm not okay, like, that's my point of reference for no, you are. Like, mm-hmm. you may not feel okay, but you are okay. Right. Yeah. Um. Well, and, I, and that's what I respect about you so much is that, that you've always looked for the next thing. You know, that when something doesn't set well with you, that you're able to, by faith, I think, you take what your gut is telling you and yeah. you go and do something to fix it or to change it or yeah. to make it fit. And when you moved to O Canada, o Canada. I was shocked. <laughs> At first I thought they were joking when I found out <laughs> she did not go this to This is Canada. a trick. <laughs> it's a trick. So but tell me about that to have the freedom to be able to just go and – and do what feels right to you. Well, that didn't feel like a freedom. Oh. Yeah, so that was a, um, that my mom and my brother immigrated 20 years ago. And I stayed behind. Um, for a lot of reasons. Um, none of which were particularly good. My mom and I, have, we've had to do a lot of healing around me staying in the States and them going to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> we've had to have a lot of really tough conversations where lots of feelings came out but um my i i've been in when i was finishing up chaplaincy residency and i was looking at what's next coming to canada got put on the table and i started the process of applying for a nursing license um i'm a registered nurse also so um be then covid happened yeah So it took me over three years to get a nursing license in Ontario. I do have one issued now. But then um, through COVID, the week after the Canadian border shut down, my nephew was born. He was the first grandbaby, first child. Um, I was supposed to meet him in April. I met him the following August. So I met him when he was almost a year and a half old. Um, both my grandfathers died and my mom and my brother weren't able to come over the border. The border between Canada and America shut down completely. Um, and it had always kind of been this like joke a little bit that like, well, the border could shut down someday too. (laughs) Then it happened and it wasn't fucking funny. (laughs) It was not good. So we kind of had a real, like it went from like, oh, maybe I'll get a Canadian nurse's license and look at the process to like, okay, I need to move. Mm -hmm. Like, Um, having an international border was not, it's, 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 it always seemed casual until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Canada. Well, yeah, I'm well still, I'm I thought about moving to Canada a few years ago. <laughs> it's an adjustment. It, they're yeah. not American. <laughs> they're, they're not, like, surprise, surprise. <laughs> like Spoiler there's alert. some real core philosophical differences that hit me in the face sometimes. And I'm like, Oh, you're serious right now about what, like they had vaccine passports when I got up there. I'm fully vaccinated. I, I'm a public health nurse. I am <laughs> all for 
responsible like this is a s- this is like maybe getting off into a tangent but like but the idea of having a government issued like passport that indicates my vaccination status that gives me permission to function in public wow. like every fiber of my being was like fuck that like <laughs> I will do what I want. <laughs> and my brother was like, Helena, it's a social contract. And I was like, I don't give a shit. But social contracts, it's not anybody's business. And he was like, wow. And I was like, okay, well, that's an American response, clearly. <laughs> like, because personally, I have no issue with any of this. But the idea of having to, like, pu- like, oh, yeah, there's some things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm not Canadian. <laughs> I'm doing my so best, though. So what is the... F- what is the LGBTQIA community like? Have you found that in I Canada? I haven't. No, so Fort I'm Road, they're hiding. No. Okay, <laughs> so also, like, church is not a thing in Canada. Really? Yeah, like, it's kind of this, like, cute quirk I have. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about that. that I'm a religious person. <laughs> kind of like oh that's so silly helena like it's so sweet like yeah like no there's a really strong bias towards like atheistic rash like rational atheism really strong really? Bias. yes so wow. i'm still trying to find a church uh, you might have to start with i might hey, have to start helena. with <laughs> you can start a game with god church I, I might have to because i'm really struggling like i even and that's been my like i got on the internet and I looked up LGBTQIA <laughs> inclusive churches, Kingston, Ontario. Butkus. Really? I think I found one. I'm going to go next week. Wow. I think I found one. Ooh. But I like, can't wait to hear. <laughs> but, like, it's bizarre because, like, like, that's actually one of the biggest been, like, because peop- there's, like, this real strong um, bias against Southern people generally southern christians more specifically that were kind of this monolith of like evangelical conservatism and i was like dude the southern u.s has got probably the richest religious tapestry in the country like we're yes we're all religious but we're all religious in really different ways yeah and we have conversation and we live together like whereas up there like i did go to church it was the most tepid thing i've ever been to oh wow it was so boring (laughs) i was like oh my god and i don't come from like a pentecostal church i come from just a regular little church but like there was no no energy Mm. like yeah they're very there was actually a canadian like public like public poll that came out that like basically said that something like 60 or 70 percent of canadians feel like religion like religion makes you like being religious makes you a damaging person to society really so so there are no gay churches but (laughs) But there's like also not really any churches no churches no gay churches but yet there are gay people in canada there are gay people in (laughs) canada and so the united church of canada is the inclusive church okay the united church of canada is inclusive it does and maybe in a bigger city but kingston's not that small kingston's like it's bigger than winston like it's not a small city um Toronto, I think, has a lot more activity, like, because there's the um, theological um, seminary in Toronto. So I think there's a lot more activity there, probably. Mm-hmm. But I might have to start a church. You might. I might. I'm in favor of that. We can talk about it more later. <laughs> yeah. 
I'll help you from over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I did, like, and I, I, I wanted to go to Pride, but I, um, I had an obligation. I had to work that weekend. Uh-huh. So I missed Pride. I, I was hoping I'd go to Pride and I'd see the church banners and I could figure out where to go to church. <laughs> that just drives me nuts that that is the case. Okay, so we're going to be wrapping up pretty soon. So I have a final question for you. All right, I'm ready. Okay. So in your queer status, <laughs> if, if somebody came to you and said, you know, I'm really struggling. I don't know how to come out. I don't think my family's going to be okay. I don't know what to do. What advice would you give them? And by advice, that's a loose word. Yeah, I mean, I'd listen. Mm-hmm. I'd want to know what they're con- – because for some people, those concerns are really – what level of exclusion are we talking about? Are you about to m- be homeless, or are you about to have a rough conversation with your mama? Yeah. Those are two different things, right? So if there's, like, logistical issues that need to be worked out before mm-hmm. you come out, let's work out those logistical issues. Mm-hmm. If it's more you're going to need a lot of emotional support, I'm here for that. You know, like e- mm-hmm. either way, I think there is something to be said for letting people do things in their own time in their own way. Mm-hmm. So if someone's at the beginning part of this where they're considering if they come out, you know, if that coming out's going to be really provocative in their lives, mm-hmm. just helping them work through what, what might the impacts be and then being there as a support person as those impacts happen. Mm-hmm. Right, right. right. Well, and I, you know, the the thing about this podcast is, you know, I came to it because I needed to be able to get that relationship back with God and reclaim that word God because I couldn't say it for so many years. And the fear of folks thinking that suicide is an option because they cannot balance their church affiliation or their desire to be in a relationship with God and not knowing if they can do that. Well, and I've had com- I've had friends who um, were queer and would not come out because of their church. Right. And with those people, I just kind of reiterated kind of on repeat, well, you know, God loves you. Right. Like, I know your church isn't there, but I'm just going to let you know. Right. And I haven't really... I saw an Instagram post on Pride this year from a girl that I used to have that conversation with who did eventually leave that church, is now in an affirming church, and has publicly reclaimed being queer. Mm -hmm. Um, Nice. Yeah. And I was like, thank God. Like, I did. I was Mm -hmm. like, thank God that she finally got there because she – we would have conversations regularly where I was like – because she had identified as a lesbian – found Jesus, joined this church, and then stopped identifying as a lesbian because it would be, because it was damnable. Right. Right? And I remember being like, okay, I hear you that, like, your church is really important. I agree that Jesus is a big deal. I also think that you have kind of a small sliver of the picture around what spirituality and sexuality look like. Right. And that you're not actually damned for being a lesbian. And we had, we had that conversation a lot, but again, it's been probably five years and mm-hmm. I just, just recently she's kind of reclaiming herself as a child of God and as a person mm-hmm. on the spectrum. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate spectrum. you 
I appreciate you. And I'm very glad that you decided to come and have this conversation and go into the weeds a little bit and talk yep. about everything. So um, if we can give her a round of applause before questions. <laughs> and um, we want to open up the floor. You can ask anything to uh, Helena or me. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free. And Miss Gail's going to struggle with that mic until she gets it because she's a power pack on this podcast. Uh-oh. Do you want me to take off mine? Here comes your beloved. <laughs> He'll fix it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you. So thank any you. questions? Yes, sir. Oh, hold on. Let's get to your oh, mic. Oh, you get a mic because that makes you official. What are your two's views on uh, the theory uh, that's been going around that Jesus might have been Cuse because he kind of <laughs> hung out with like <laughs> 12 dudes and like kissed them and stuff and had like very few biblical like interactions with mm -hmm. other people? Yeah. His, is his mic on for the recording? Okay. I couldn't hear it, but I was just wondering. Okay. You want to take that? <laughs> so I haven't actually thought about that too much. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I have thought about. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Here's where the podcast takes a turn. <laughs> so, if you want to be literal, <laughs> if you want to be super liberal, like literal and liberal at the same time, if you want to reclaim literalism as a liberal, um, Mary had a virgin conception. Yes. Which means that <laughs> genetically, Jesus is female because he could not be male because she had no Y chromosomes to give him. So Jesus <laughs> is genetically female and male expressing, which makes Jesus 100% queer. Yes. Trans gay Jesus. Trans -gay <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, I can tell you from my perspective that... <laughs> She just blew my mind, and <laughs> I'm going to have to rethink all sorts of things. But I always I always questioned that, especially when I was struggling to come out. It's like, hey, here's a guy hanging out with 12 guys, and his beloved best friend was named John. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I do believe that Jesus, if he were here now in the flesh, I believe that he would be the most progressive accepting, whether he was oh on yeah. the spectrum or not. He was for us and for all those you know, people. I think <laughs> the, the, the first convert um, was a eunuch, right? Was someone on the sexual, like outside of the sexual norm in that culture. I think, I think it's clear that Jesus would have been wide open around people's sexualities and inclusivity and the life of faith. Yeah. So I don't have any questions about that. But just know that, that you're accepted and you're beloved, <laughs> whether he is queer or not, <laughs> right. or, or a she. <laughs> any other questions for either of us? All right. Thank you so much for coming, everybody. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And for those of you who are listening, uh, if you'll please remember that uh, you can always go to the Gay With God show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com if you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with God. If you are authentically on the LGBTQIA spectrum, God has always been within you. Even if you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God.
Thanks, everybody. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.